From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you today. We've got a little football news. The uh, Division One Oversight Council or something. Let's see, Oversight Committee. It's always committees with NCAA. It's a committee. They, uh, they have released a schedule as far as what teams can do, what coaches can do leading up to uh, the start of the season. As of right now, is on time. We'll talk about that. We had a chance to uh, chat with Lane Kiffin as a local media uh, group, if you will. We'll uh, talk a little about that as well. There's a story on the site at rebelgrove.com about that and uh, and more here on uh, on this podcast. That is brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Take advantage of the Speed Pass Plus app. Because when you use that safest way to fuel up across Mississippi at all Blue Sky locations, you just uh, use the app, pay right there on it. Not to touch much of anything, get your fuel, get back on the road there with Blue Sky and the Oxford Exxon. Again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest of it is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today. You love the service. You'll uh, love the product that you get. You'll uh, Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. I prove it to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Uh, guests have joined us this week. They join us all the time on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters is located... Uh, Rafters on the Water, I should say, is what's open right now. It's located at the Sardis Marina. You can come experience outdoor dining unlike any place in North Mississippi. The menu offers shrimp. Mississippi catfish platters, along with gourmet burgers, Louisiana-style po'boys served on Leidenheimer French bread. Wednesdays and Thursdays, it's 3.30 to 10, Friday through Sunday, wide open, 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. They've got newly expanded picnic-style dining areas, signature appetizers, including Zydeco shrimp, crawfish egg rolls, live music uh, on the weekends as well, fun cocktails, including their famous house-frozen margarita, if you're not ready for all that, you, but you want to try the food, you can pick up the to-go, the curbside pickup. That's still available, 662-712-6162. That's Rafters on the Water. Also, uh, another podcast uh, coming to you, Neil. You uh, you talked a little flag today, is that right? I did. I talked to Lauren Stennis, who's the designer of the Stennis flag, which a month ago, and I, I admitted this to Lauren, I didn't know it existed. Um I was like, why don't they just put, like, I don't know, a tree on a blue background? And someone said something about, well, Stennis flags right there. I was like, what's that? And someone showed it to me. I'm like, well, just do that. It's I, fine. I, it's some stars. It's it, all right. It's, it's cool. It's actually, the more I look at it, the more I really like it. It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of it's kind of striking. And, and when you talk to her about it, about, you know, why, there's a reason, actually a really compelling reason that you don't want a magnolia blossom on a blue field. And that's because that was in 1861. That was the secession flag for Mississippi. It's also the the state flower tree of Louisiana too, right? Like I like have something that's just yours. Is it is it tree or flower? It, in in Magnolia, something in Louisiana. Yeah, Magnolia's the state. 
Uh, it's not the tree, I don't think. I think it's the state flower. Hell, I don't know. Okay. You didn't learn that in elementary school? Probably did, but elementary school's a minute ago. I don't I'll know. tell you, even that, that helmet mock-up that the fan, that I think Randy Morgan did, it looked pretty good on the message board yesterday. Ole Miss could rock the Stennis flag on the side of the helmet for a game or two. It's red, white, and blue, or red, white, whatever. It fits. It's all good. Yeah, it's... Probably piss off some state people in the process. All good. But, you know, like I saw someone do a mock-up of, of the Stennis flag on a Mississippi State helmet, you know, with the maroon. You just change the colors. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. It's You could do it black and gold for Southern Miss. It's all good. I mean, you don't, don't overthink these things. You just change the colors on a helmet. No one's going to get upset about it. Well, that is funny because, again, we'll, we're, we're going to get off state flags in a second. You get a full podcast for that tomorrow. But I've seen so many people go, hey, yeah, no doubt. We all agree they should change the flag. They should get the Confederate battle emblem off of it, blah, blah, blah. I just hate that flag. we got to do something else. It's like, no, 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 stop. Stop doing the – we don't need committees. We don't need processes here. We don't need 15 options. Just change it. Whatever you want. The Stennis flag is great because you know why? The Stennis flag is already there. It, it is my other option, and it is another option, and that's why I'm good with it. I, 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 could you get something better? Probably. I don't care. Just change it. A star, a wave, a stripe, don't care. Just change it. So whatever's out there, that works. And it, feel, it feels like this is a moment in history where you have to change it. Now's the time. There's, there's momentum to do it. Um, whether you out there disagree or agree or whatever, the momentum is clearly in one direction. This is not a big deal, and... It's why, not to cut you off, that next week the IHL is going to meet, and if I'm Ole Miss, whatever it takes, I get the monument relocation in front of them next Thursday where they have to have a deal where they say no to that in the middle of the current national climate that is going on, and if so, that is completely on them. You know what I mean? It is away from my hands. Here it is, boys. Y'all vote on it. Yeah, and the nuance of that messaging would be such that people would have their hands full because, and we saw this this week a little bit, headline writers and people that take a press release and just uh, cherry pick it. That was unbelievable. No, it wasn't. Sorry. It was uh, It was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wrong word. <laughs> it was maddening. It was not unbelievable. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Ole Miss will have 100% capacity. No, that's not what that said at, at, at all, actually. But uh, anyway, flag stuff coming up uh, tomorrow. So football news. Uh, I'm reading here from, I'm sure it's everywhere, but I have Pete Thamel from Yahoo. Headline, college football's return takes big step forward with oversight committee ruling. Looking for the nuts and bolts of this. The NCAA oversight committee passed a recommendation that coaches can begin formally working with teams on July 13th, sources told Yahoo Sports. The committee essentially laid out the practice guidelines to allow players to return safely prior to traditional four-week football training camp. This will be uh, formalized on June 17th, but it appears to be a rubber stamp for that committee. The schedule as laid out as schools can begin to have access to their players on July 13th, which would include strength workouts, coaches engaging in film study, and their players. It would be a week earlier for anybody playing in week zero. They can start July 6th, and then according to the language discussed, Summer access may begin 25 calendar days prior to the first permissible preseason practice date um, for that. And then you transition into 20-hour weeks on July 24th. That essentially will be uh, what Lane Kippen mentioned yesterday as far as sort of OTAs, but it's just walkthroughs with a ball. There's nothing full speed during that. It is a, uh, it is a walkthrough. 
and then uh, that would lead into training camp starting on August the uh, the seventh. So there you are. You know, there's a couple of things here. Okay. One, there's a pushback from some people that hey, we've got to give these guys more time to practice. Blah 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 blah. And Kiffin, Zach, and I talked about this a little bit on the soft verbal today. I'm 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 becoming a pretty big fan of Kiffin, the press conference guy. At first, the super laid back nature of it is kind of off putting. Not off putting. That's the wrong word. It's strikes you as like whoa you're not trying to sell anything he's not up there. so many coaches are up there almost kind of screaming at you or car salesman and you yeah. a little bit and he's just there talking it's yeah. just what a lot of them are like you've got to try the chevy blazer the 2020 chevy blazer it is mississippi made it's fantastic he doesn't do all that it's kind of laid back it's like i'm just going to give you an honest answer and his decibel level never gets above his normal conversation ever yeah and he said you know i mean Honestly, it hurts us. It hurts us as a first-year staff. And if I were at FAU, all this stuff wouldn't ma- it really wouldn't matter. Whatever, it'd be cool. Whatever, we get through it. No big deal. But it's you know it's it's something that it, it hurts us. Um, and it does. That being said, and I think he gets this. How many coaches get this? I don't know. The deal is this. This is the season. It's the first season in my lifetime that I can remember this way. The goal, the goalposts have shifted from, hey, let's win as many games as we can. Let's get to a championship. Let's get to a bowl game. Let's uh, let's. Let, it's gone to let's just get the season in. It, it's literally the middle-aged dude running a marathon. You're not trying to beat the. That's Ken- a good comparison. You're yeah. not trying to beat the Kenyans. Yeah. Um, you got six hours before they close the road. You'd love to run it in three fifteen, but you know what? If this one gets run in four forty, it's okay. You're gonna get the same medal. They're gonna give you a T-shirt. You're gonna get a post-race beer. You'll live to fight another day. You'll take a couple weeks off. Maybe you'll start getting back on the elliptical machine or the Peloton or whatever, and. Think about what you did wrong, and you can improve it. But no one's ever going to remember anything but you finished. This is the this is the race that you you finish most most of the time. These people run marathons where it's all right. We're going to run a two twenty marathon. We're gonna we we're gonna beat the guy from Kenya. Or if you're Alabama, it's you know we're 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 trying to win this race. This is not a race that you're trying to win. Now a lot of coaches are going to try to win it. And in so doing, they're going to run the risk of something bad happening. I'll tell you what's interesting to me, and I've had this conversation with people over the last few days, is I keep hearing these people go, you have to test these players every day. Why? You have to test these players every week. Why? And they look at me like I'm a, three, a three-headed monkey, and I say, if they don't have symptoms, just let them practice. Let them play. If they get sick, okay, but why why go borrow trouble? Isn't that what they're doing though? Isn't you you get tested the first time and after that you have to kind of say, "Hey, I don't feel well. Can you test me?" Isn't the burden on the players at this point? Um, how think, wrong about that? No, I think so. I think the burden's on the player to report, which means that if that's the case, they won't. But there's a lot of people out there, especially in the medical community, that want consistent testing, and I don't see what's the point. Like the NBA is testing every day. It's like, why? 
That's I, you're trying too hard. Just play. They're sticking that swab up their sinal cavity every day. I think some of them have gotten the test down to where the Q-tip's not as big. Okay, well that's something. Um, doesn't go quite as far. Okay. Um, it just seems like overkill to me. Young people aren't getting sick. This isn't killing. This isn't even, not even not killing. It's not making football players ill. Notice that all the players everywhere who have tested have been asymptomatic. Those cats were out running and working out and lifting weights and stuff. They had no idea. This isn't a 60 year old guy getting it and he can't breathe. It's a 21-year-old guy getting it, and he's out running five miles. Yeah, I, I, I think schools will, will go that route. Barring something strange, I, I don't see them testing constantly. I don't see them doing anything along those, uh, along those lines. This, this, this plan's fine. You just had to put a plan in place. This one's as good as any whatever. Um, now, look, what's going to be funny about what you're saying is you're right. Coaches are going to see that. You're going to have fan bases who see that as excuses. You know that's coming. Um, fan bases that go no, eleven and one, just like every other season, eleven and one, ten and two, eight and four, whatever, whatever your your thing is. And Kiffin, talking about being honest, he's completely honest. He's completely right. I know I cannot remember, and I guess there hasn't been because we've been pretty formulaic and systemic. There hasn't been another season where a first-year staff is this disadvantaged. I mean, it is, it is a hell of a disadvantage. I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah. it is. It, it's phenomenal. I mean, he made a good point. Yeah, as you said, if at if FAU, you're just kind of rolling. You know your dudes. Yeah, sure, you don't get the newcomers as long. It'll be all right. I mean, he, he kind of made the joke. He goes, hey, the dad breaks his leg and misses spring and has a great fall. Nobody goes, hey, you missed spring. Don't remember that. Like, who cares? Well, he, he also was the coach that kind of – he's the first one to kind of admit, you know, a lot of times, especially at the college level, what do you do with in spring? You think the guys that got hurt, that's when they have their surgeries. You don't worry about spring football. He, he admitted that. It's quarterback-based. It's a disadvantage to him because he doesn't know who the quarterback is. Yeah. That's what it is. That was the other. People turned that one line into a story. They're like, whoa, good for you, man. I mean, that is – all oh, he, all he said was, you know, yeah, he kind of thought that had they had spring that it would have been a disadvantage to uh, Plumlee. Seems fairly obvious. He was not going to be on the football field. He was going to be on the baseball field. And he said, you know, him not – them not having spring at all and the fact that baseball season ended and that everything ended, it was such that it neutralized that, you know. I mean, they go into now, they and, you know, they're going to go into August and he's going to have to figure it out in camp. But again, the camp goal this year is not, hey, beat Baylor. The camp goal this year is play Baylor. <laughs> Because you think it's a quiet off season too, just for money and everything else. You think everybody's just getting a one year pass here? Yeah. Most- I mean, who's going to go? Hey, man, we I I really thought this was going to be a nine win team. We only won seven. Uh, we don't really know what the future is with the virus, and we lost X amount of money to whatever. And yeah, we're going to pay the coach twenty one million dollars to go away, and then we're going to go hire a new coach. I, what is the market for new coaches? I mean, it's like the Major League Baseball conversation. What is the market for a free agent this offseason? Someone was talking about – I'll give you an example. Nicholas Castellanos, who played for the Tigers and the Cubs last season, signed with the Reds. 
and he has an opt-out at the end of this season because he wasn't thinking about a uh, pandemic. He thought, I'll sign with the Reds. I'll put an opt-out in. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the big long-term deal that I wanted. I think he signed a three-year, $45 million deal with an opt-out at the end of first each each year. Who's going to pay him $15 million next year? No one has any money. I mean, someone said, well, you know, he's technically going to be a free agent. Someone said, yeah, but he would have to be a certified fool to opt out of $30 million right now in this market. I mean, who's going to go into the coaching for, uh, who's going to go, I mean, like Billy Napier, who's going to, you're going to, you're going to fire Will Muschamp at the end of this season and pay him $11 million that you owe him and go, Hey, Billy Napier, here's 6 million a year. No, it's it, it's done. Someone brought up a great point about Ole Miss. Can you imagine where Ole Miss would be today had they not made a move with Matt Luke? Were That's you- where I was going. Any school that said, hey, we got to make a move, but we'll wait one more year, and then you waited on this year? And yeah, now you're just going. Hey, yeah, and you're staring, you're staring that deal in the face where it's like, okay, well, are you paying him off now? And that gets me to my second point about football season. Mm-hmm. You have to play the football season. I mean, there are people out there that are doing this thing about, well, you know, I just don't know that it's going to be safe. And I I, I just, at some point in life, people have to live with a certain level of risk. And we're there as it pertains to football. I think the answer is very clear. You open up the stadiums. You don't limit capacity. You understand what is it? It's been a, talking point on our podcast for at least three years about how, especially since the SEC network came into being and every game's on television, every game's on HD. Everybody can go to Walmart or um, Best Buy or wherever, wherever you buy your electronics and you can get a 70 inch high definition smart TV for a very affordable price. And you can have that puppy installed in your house and it looks good, and you can go stock up on your beverage of choice, and uh, the, the, the trip to the bathroom takes about 10 seconds. There's no line, typically. And, uh, you know, the concession stands are down in the kitchen, and they don't cost anything. You don't pay to park. Uh, you don't have to drive to and from the stadium. When the game's over, it's a 30-second trip downstairs to the living room or to the bedroom or whatever um i mean i'm being kind of literal here i mean they've been battling the urge for some people to socially distance already well so now i mean there's going to be a lot of people going into this season that are going to say ah you know what i we don't probably don't need to go to the stadium let's just watch from home this game or or especially early in the season that might say let's what i did with my gym for example I'm going to let the young whippersnappers break that thing in at first. We'll see what happens, and I'll be a little cautious, and then I'll go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's that's going to happen with football, too. You're not going to fill up stadiums. There's going to be people that are going to look at that first weekend of September, for example, and say, okay, it's 97 degrees. I'm a little worried about the virus. I'll just watch from home. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, a natural social distancing anyway i think this is an overreact this this every one must be protected is not realistic 
Our friends at Blue Delta Jeans are very pleased to announce that the studio is open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. If you got jeans to pick up or if you're ready to get measured for your own Blue Delta Jeans, don't hesitate to drop by or reach out to Blue Delta to schedule an appointment. And while you're at it, don't forget to check out Blue Delta's new line of Georgia Mill Duck Canvas Fabric. Strong and durable. These are the ultimate made to last pants. Info at Blue Delta Jeans. Uh, or social media at Blue Delta Jeans, whatever way is best for you. This podcast is also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. It's GrenadaNissan.com. We're also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. It's located at 320 East Pearl Street. They're open now. You can go in. Uh, great lunch, Sunday brunch, dinner. All of that. Also, they specialize in on-site large event catering. Get in touch with Sarah Black, 601-398-0151 for all of your catering needs. Also brought to you by Dead Soxy. Uh, they're excited to celebrate Father's Day and has come to be expected. They want to do it in style. So go to deadsoxy.com. Check out the limited edition Father's Day bundles. Each bundle contains a men's dress sock, a kid's crew, and a no-show. Uh, so don't miss the exciting opportunity to celebrate Father's Day in style. Secure one of the limited quantity bundles today. You need to order by uh, June 16th to make sure that you get that bundle delivered to you in time for Father's Day. We're also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. Excuse me, they represent clients in 24 states, have advisors in three states. Uh, they founded in 1997. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and so much more. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fee. Also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If you're looking to get away after all of this pandemic uh, stuff, I suggest you get in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. He is a, uh, been in the travel business for a long time, been traveling before he even got into the business for about 40 years. So he knows the extra attention needed to make a special trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB is home to Casasa, the absolute best cash checking account. It pays customers 2.5% interest on the balances, up to $50,000 refunds, ATM fees nationwide, also home to a commercial checking account, now paying 1% interest as long as you keep $10,000 in the account. It comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more about OUB, Check out liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668, OUB, FDIC insured. Also brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group, dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. They value providing quality advice, experience, and access to all their clients, and they invite an open dialogue beyond your annual review. They believe that everyone deserves financial security, so no matter your level of wealth or financial goal, they will serve as an advocate and guide to grow a portfolio that is suitable and uh, fruitful and sustainable for you. 901-365-3447 or ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. 
And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573-662-842-3844. And it's financial suicide, Chase, for these programs. That's the more people I talk to, the more that I, I hear the thought of not playing the season, the thought of a 25% capacity stadium is financial suicide. Well, we did the math. What was it? Eight Every 25% was worth $8 million just in tickets? Yes. Is that right? Like the net, not the total, just the net of what was lost. If you every, because like if you had no fans, I want to say for Ole Miss, it was somewhere around $30 million, 32, somewhere in there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's about what it was. Yeah. And I, uh, Ole, Ole, Ole Miss and programs like Ole Miss don't have that sort of reserve sitting around. I mean, we're talking the, the number of programs that could absorb a lost season without, it's, a, it's, 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 it's less than 10. Yeah, it's it's a handful. And at least Ole Miss, with whatever their attendance ends up being, because you made that coaching change, they will have they will maximize what is not natural social distancing, as you called it. Because they are. They're going to sell tickets. I mean, people are going to show up to see Lane Kiffin. So, yeah. And, and there will be people that normally would go that won't go. Especially at first. I mean, Texas is already talking about now 60% inside the stadium. Did I hear that right? Is that correct? It's 50 or 60. Well, it went to 50, but I think I saw somewhere where it looks like it's headed to 60 pretty quickly. They're going to open up those stadiums. <laughs> but Texas, to its credit, is, is one of those level-headed states where people have to make their own decisions. I mean, if, you, if you're in your 70s and you, have, you are a cancer survivor or you – have had you know a kidney removed, or you you've you've had open heart surgery, or or whatnot. Probably ought to do the smart thing and hang out at the house in Red Rock and watch the ball game. Mm-hmm. Round Rock, Red Rock. I'm sure there's a Red Rock too. Oh. But if you're 32 years old and healthy, I mean this the, this is what gets me. Is I talked to someone yesterday who said. This just isn't impacting young people the way that, and thank God, but it's it's not impacting young people in, in any real significant way. This whole, why would, we, why would we let kids back on campus? We need to let the, that generation develop herd immunity. Isn't it funny the conversation we're having today? I mean, this, this is, <laughs> I thought about this the other day when I was like, what the hell am I going to do for a week of podcast? And I thought, what would this week have been? This would have been either they made it or Fire Bianco week. Yeah. Omaha is this week. Yeah. This would have been it's they, they made it or Fire Bianco week. <laughs> and, and instead, it's like we're talking about herd immunity and it's, it's epidemiology such a- and, and, and all, all this, this unique moment in our nation's history stuff. And I'm like, man. You talk about sometimes I feel like some of this stuff is so above my pay grade. I'm like I'm I'm diving in, but woo. Well, I almost started laughing a couple of days ago. Whatever day it was that it got announced, because I went, okay, it's it, it may be above all else. It's like the ultimate for the for the old Miss fan that just sees the negative and like sees the, the the rain cloud over his head no matter where he goes from a we are old Miss moment. They somebody comes down in February and goes, hey, look, I'm telling you on June the seventh. 
they're going to announce Mike Bianco National Coach of the Year. Um, they are going to you're, you're going to see you're going to see some war stats, and Ole Miss is going to have like three of those son of a guns in the top twenty. Anthony Servideo is going to lead that thing. I mean, all this stuff, all this stuff. They thought them son of a guns just won the national title. No, nah, the season stopped when they were sixteen and one. <laughs> yeah, there couldn't be an empty for for Mike. There couldn't be an emptier Coach of the Year award ever. Oh, he had to see it roll his eyes. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> What's funny is like the draft happened yesterday, and you know, like two thirds of the SEC went in the first round, and and you wondered, I mean, what what would they have done against Asa Lacey, and what would they have done against that cat at Georgia, and what would they we were have- deprived of so many weekend matchups because I mean, I we say this every year, but there was never a better collection of arms from an A standpoint in this league than this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss. You, you would have gotten to see every week Nikhazy and Hoagland, yeah, and going against – you're obviously still going to get Kumar Rocker and guys like that, but, yeah, Tanner Burns and Asa Lacey and Emerson Hancock and looks like Cole Wilcox is coming back to school, Cole Henry today, JT Ginn. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. And it's, they were ticking off, though, I'll tell you. And I, I typed this out to tweet it, and then I stopped because I said I need to kind of look at Florida. I don't know what they have back or what they're losing. What they're losing. Um Ole Miss, I assume, next to Vanderbilt, will have the top returning rotation in the league next year. I mean, as all these other staffs are getting plucked apart, it's still a long way to go until February, obviously. But as I looked at it, I went, they're not losing any pitching. And everybody else is losing a stud right now off this thing. So, I mean, Ole Miss is in pretty good shape next year if they uh, – no, no matter what. I mean, I still you – know, I expect them to lose anything through video. Tonight, uh, I would still coin flip Keenan in that direction, even though it's kind of 50-50-ish. Um, and then they'll get the whole class on uh, on campus. So I guess for perspective to this, it is 5.35 p.m. as we're, uh, as we're talking. So if Savidio or Keenan go in the next 20 minutes, it, it's what it is. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, too, I think, what, college kids were the first six picks of the draft, seven last night? Yeah, seven. in a, a five-round draft, you just – it's just college. It's college. college. It's college guys, and 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 frankly, the the power five. And this is only going to accentuate moving forward as baseball has to try to recover from what's coming. Those are the safer picks. Yeah, it's a couple different things. It's been a it's been a shift over the last few years. Somebody asked me this on Twitter today, and it's look, it's analytics. When you get an SEC kid, you have had TrackMan set up in those stadiums for every game, so you get yeah. every number imaginable for everything and against other guys who are being drafted. So it's not like you're worried about competition levels. Um, so it's performance, it's evidence. I'll tell you what it's also doing, and this is a credit to the colleges. They're protecting players better than ever before, yep. and they're developing players better than ever before. So mm-hmm. when they take a 21-year-old, they go, okay, yeah, it's not the same thing as if he was in our system since he was 18, but it's close to damn enough. Okay, we're going to move him, we're going to fast-track him. Well, we're gonna- and, and at the SEC level, they've had a chance to see him play high-A ball. Yeah, yeah. That's what they've had. That's that's putting it. They, He's not going to rookie ball. There's no, no reason. No, they've got all of his analytics. They know spin rate and stuff. They've had a chance to break him down. They've probably seen some things they think they could fix quickly, things they could build on, blah, blah, blah. And they've seen him play high A ball. And so they have a, a, a really strong idea of what his floor looks like and probably some concept of what his ceiling looks like. Yeah, it was and so SEC. it's safer. It's just it's 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 investing. It's buying a Fortune 500 company as opposed to some startup down there where you're like, man, that's a great idea, but there's a lot of obstacles. It's, you know, 
that that used to be the way you go, and, and now I don't. I, I I just think early rounds. It's it's the college game, and it, it it's it's incentivizing going to college for kids. Although, and you know where I'm coming. You know where I'm going next. It's where we're in this weird time where this is the ideal time for the Power Five baseball programs to go. All right, that's it. We're breaking away. We're going to add scholarships. We're going to make this even more. We're going to incentivize this even more which is going to kill some scholarship opportunities at other places where they're going to lose money in football because of the pandemic and have to make it up by canceling everything else. And the only way that's ever going to happen, the only way you're ever going to get more scholarships in college baseball is for that power five or whomever wants to play in that division to break off and decide to do it. Because I mean, even yesterday there was some good news. I I don't think it necessarily affects Ole Miss very much, but they uh, they waive the roster limit for next season. That you can it's no longer at thirty five. You can have as many players you want to have. They moved the number of scholarship players you can have on a, on a roster from twenty seven to thirty two, and then they took away the twenty five percent minimum scholarship. Meaning, if you want to give a guy just books, if you want to give a guy five percent scholarships, have at it. You still got to stay within eleven point seven, but um, you can you can do some other stuff there. The SEC came out; they put a list, some legislation in front of everybody. Said, "Hey, why don't we bump the scholarship level for a year from eleven point seven to I think thirteen point seven? It might have been thirteen point three, but I think it was thirteen point seven. And uh, that got shot down immediately, um, which they knew that was going to get shot down because, frankly, programs are cutting baseball right now. There was no way in hell they were going to spend more money and have that pass. But your point stands. Um, if At some point, you've got you to make that happen or you're going to be stuck in this forever, which the SEC's problem is, you know, last year you tried to have a third-paid coach, not even mandatory third-paid coach, just if you want to pay a third coach, have at it. And the freaking Big 12 voted against it. So when you have that type of opposition, even in the Power Five, you can't get anything done from a from a progression level because um, it's just not possible. I mean, when, you, when you're having to fight the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to vote with you, you're screwed. You're not getting anything. Right, done. right, right. Well, so. it's, you know, I mean, SEC baseball, we've talked about it over the years, has gotten so good. I mean, uh, Kierstad goes number two to Baltimore with that swing. That uh, He's got pole-to-pole power, and, and he's probably not – finished growing and he's got that you know i mean it's just the league's great i mean if you I love austin martin just love him yeah. just where you want to put him have at it um i think somebody described him last night as he's potentially defensively a ben zoberst who's going to win batting titles just play wherever throw him out there so if that's at all true you you you, you get a dude i mean frankly out of the top five picks the one that makes me a little mo- the little most nervous if i'm if, if, if i'm D- detroit is is torkelson because look, he's gonna hit a ton, and I mean, look, they're they're better with baseball than I am. They've got all the stats in the world, but if he doesn't stick at third base, you took a first baseman number one overall, and by God, he better hit. Yeah, his his college coach who coached Kyle Schwarber at Indiana uh, said, that, "Yeah, I couldn't think of his name." He said that he thinks that kid could play second, third, left, right, first. Basically, that it's another kind of the Ben Zobers comparison. Just put him in the lineup. The bat's gonna, the bat's gonna play. So you just figure it out. And uh, you know, with baseball going at least this season, if they have a season, they're gonna have a universal DH, which means they'll never go back to the other way. They'll go to the DH. You'll be able to bury a bat in your lineup that bury a glove, I should say, who who can who can hit, and that kid can really hit. He's got he's got a real hit tool. Yeah, I mean it's it's. 
the, the top of the draft was, was I mean, not always, but very, very good. Um, Emerson Hancock is a heck of a steal right there at six, I think, um, out of Georgia. And then, I mean, even going down the list a little bit, I mean, I know you and I both like him a lot. I mean, Tanner Burns at 36 of all places. I yeah. mean, you're still a, a dude right there out of uh, out of that spot. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Again, we're... It's 541. We're monitoring Sir Video, Keenan, and I guess Kemp Alderman, the, uh, the one of the top high school players in, a, in Ole Miss's class. The, the, the thing is, everybody goes, hey, why Sir Video? Why Keenan? Whatever. Sir Video just has more teams on him, and that gives you more options to be picked. Keenan's only got three or four teams that have a lot of interest, so you're just limiting the number of times that he can get drafted. Sometimes, sometimes that's the reason why some dudes are projected higher than others. What's um, going to be interesting this year is people talk about, like in a typical year, you have sc- – uh, schools clubs go under slot here and under slot there to put more money later into the draft mm-hmm. owners are going to have the purse strings pretty tight this year you I think mean, they're potentially just doing it to keep it low period not necessarily to spend it some other time oh i, I mean there were rumors like the angels for example that they weren't even going to take a first round pick they were just going to pass those rumors weren't made up i mean some of these clubs are like yeah hey look here's going to be the offer if you want it take it if not all right We'll save it for next year. That's how it works. Yeah, as long as you make a competitive offer, you get it back. Yeah, we'll just hold on to it because right now money's tight. I don't know if you've noticed, but these clubs aren't opening the stadiums. Where does this stand right now as we're talking? Uh, they say they're going to play. I mean, Well, Manfred said they're going to play. I mean, I don't know. And the, and the players have said if the owners come back and play hardball and go, we're going to have a 48-game schedule at, at full prorated salaries, that they'll go, okay. I mean, all right, we'll we'll go play forty eight games. It just that's that's not even a college season. I mean, you you're, know, you're gonna play a you're gonna play a sample size is irrelevant. You're gonna play, you're gonna settle the American League East in forty eight games. How does that work? I mean, what, what are we doing? It, I'm I'm so frustrated at the lack of common sense right now. Those last place teams that get hot and then fade in July, I mean, they're cooking with gas right now. You get out there and you sprint. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean, like the National League Central, I mean, no one gives the Pirates a chance, but if they came out of the gate 14 and 6, you'd go, well, they're in it. They say magic numbers all of a sudden. I mean, we're you got 30 left. Yeah, and the flip side, if you're a team that's a good club that comes out slow for whatever reason and you're 1 and 9 out of the gate, it's over. It's over. Forget it. Shut it down. It's 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 idiotic. I, but what but bothers me is two things. One is the NBA doing this deal with the players. Hey, once you get to the compound, the compound, we're going to lock you down. No family, no nothing until the second round of the playoffs. Can't leave. Guys are like, wait, wait. So, so I'm going to be a prisoner. Mm-hmm. I can't see my family. Well, you can see your family, but if you leave, it's a 10-day quarantine when you come back. Okay, but what if... Nope, that's the rules. Them's the rules. Yeah, but a mile away, there's 200,000 people at Disney World. (laughs) So why don't we, I don't know, go and play in our home arenas... I mean, it seems to me you'd be safer. Let's let, let's take the series that if they started today, I'm just using a series that comes to mind, the Lakers and Grizzlies. Okay. Wouldn't you be better off playing two games in L.A.? The teams are going to charter. They're not flying United, man. 
charter to Memphis, play two games in Memphis. Maybe you have to socially distance the two arenas. I don't know. And then play the fifth game if necessary in L.A. Or in this case, go, hey, we're going to make it 2-3-2, like they used to do to eliminate a lot of the travel. Two in L.A., three in Memphis, and then game six and seven if necessary in L.A. Wouldn't the players be safer? Half of the players would be at home. Put them in, as opposed to we're going to lock you down for two and a half months. They're telling media, like national media, like Woj and those guys, if you come to cover this, you can't leave. Three and a half months in Orlando. Well, I mean, that's a that's a heightened, extended version of what we talked about last week with golf, where it's, hey, go to the course, go to the hotel, get on a charter plane together, go to the next stop, go to the hotel, go to the course, go to the hotel, go to the course, eat on site. And what would happen with the NBA is just what's happened with golf, is a lot of the players go, yeah, I know. So you get in the city, and suddenly they're going to dinner, and they're not minding the rules, and... You know, you're, you're just you're you're doing a lot of legislation that, frankly, is not going to be followed. Period. Well, I mean, it just doesn't. It, it's illogical. And then with baseball, it's okay. We're separated by what is a, basically five million dollars per team. That's where I want hand raised guy to go. So I don't know what I'm kind of thinking is sell tickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't let. The Rangers have a 50% full stadium? Can't let the Astros have a 50% full stadium? Why not? Let fill up half of it, of Atlanta Stadium? I mean, at, at, I don't know, $30 a ticket? Do the math? I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it all, honestly. I, I really don't. I, I don't. I don't understand. And I know it's, it's, and it's what scares me about the college football season, if I'm honest. When people say, do you think there's going to be a season? My answer is yes. What scares me is to see how utterly terrified the professional leagues are about liability. Mm-hmm. And if they're scared, imagine how the academics are. If, um, if business people are scared, imagine how terrified chancellors are. It helps, duh, um, because we've talked about it, it probably couldn't happen otherwise. It does appear that some semblance of on-campus instruction is going to happen across the country um, yes. from a student standpoint. Yes. Ole Miss had a big town hall today with a bunch of supervisors and different people to, to discuss it. It sounds like there might there probably will be some classes online. There will probably be some classes that are mixed. There will probably be some classes that are completely on campus, but they will have a somewhat normal uh, fall semester as of right now. I think even starting on time. I think the date's like August 23rd is what it sounds like. Uh, I think more information will, be, will happen soon. But either way, yeah, it sounds like Ole Miss is – they have not announced anything to this at this point. They've been a little late in doing so, but to this point, it feels like the wheels are turning in that direction. That they're at least going to get them on campus and then figure out how to do some of the classes when they when they get here. <sighs> Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford, and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close. You get the lower rate, 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy on South Lamar 
in Oxford, also Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Both those locations are open for regular business hours. Tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window, and GM is offering curbside service there in Oxford. Both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well. 662-236-2222. The podcast brought to you by Visit Oxford. VisitOxfordMS.com is the website. Click the very top so you have to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now in Oxford between Tip Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662 767 4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. I mean, I know people get tired of my rants. The idea of not letting these kids go back to campus and be amongst their peers and have a college experience over a virus that doesn't hurt their age group, it is trading a headache for mental health. I don't understand it. I don't... I, I don't I've always advocated common sense, and this is common sense. I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the thought process behind. Like the the guy at Purdue, he nailed it. Like, what are we doing? I mean, eighty five percent of your of the people on your campus are young people. So if you're a sixty two year old professor who's got some health issues, okay, zoom your classes. Have a proctor in there. But if you're a 41-year-old, you know, associate professor or assistant professor at Ole Miss or Mississippi State or wherever, man, you're not getting sick from this. Teach your class. I expect masks to have to be worn by by faculty, is my guess. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that the literature Campbell's gotten from Arkansas has indicated to her that all indoor activities will require mask. Oh, really? Yeah, she's she's ordered a bunch of mask. There's money to be made in the mask style, in the stylish oh, mask styles, just like anything else. Is yeah, that what I mean, she laughs about it like it's, it's funny. She just wants to go. She she'd wear she'd wear a Kevlar suit right now if she could go. I mean, just whatever. But let them go. They, and they need to go. They're, it's college. The college is not meant to be done. It's not. College for young people, college age, is not meant to be done at your parents' house in front of the computer. Do you have a collection of masks? Uh, I've got like three. Do you? Yeah, I'm going to have to get a couple more if if the mask thing becomes like such a big deal. How often are you laundering them? uh, I've laundered them a couple of times. Okay. Um, Matching them to outfits? No, I've got a light blue one that's very uncomfortable, a white one that's really comfortable, but if you don't launder it, it gets loose quickly. 
Okay. And I've got a navy blue one that is fine. I've got one that's reversible, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of I don't know if "fix" the right word, but it's not overly breathable. Like if I'm in it too long, I'm kind of like <sighs> a little bit. Like it's it's yeah. it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I can't. I, mean, I know what people say, and, and they're right. Like I, like if you told fans, "Hey, look, if you going to come to the Ole Miss Southeast Missouri game, you have to wear a mask." There'd be fifteen thousand people, in my opinion, that go, "Now nah, I'll pass." Well, think about that. You gotta really want to go to the game to wear a mask because it's gonna be hot, and everybody's gonna be kind of drinking and eating. What are you doing around that? You're gonna scream or cheer or whatever you're doing through the mask. I mean, it's. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. Whatever, yeah. do whatever you want. But point being, that's that's cumbersome. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know that I would be like, yeah, let me jump on it. Well, I mean, I've had so many people say, what do y'all think your coverage is going to look like? And I've said, I, like, that Zoom call we did yesterday is what I anticipate we are going to do. You expect press conferences like that? Oh, I expect the Monday press conference to be a Zoom call. I expect okay. the post-game press conference to be a Zoom call where a different series of people come to the mic. Okay. Um, yeah, I do. Like, I set an computer up for Zoom on the podium and let somebody just walk up to us. Yes. Where we're all okay. we're all zooming, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. we get you know Lane Kiffin and then you know a coordinator or or a oh he he won't even have coordinators so it'd just be Lane and then a couple of players I I I think I think it's going to force we're going to find out who's creative and who's not I mean for us we're we we've had a year to prepare for this we didn't yeah started with Missouri last year we kind of had that 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 down yeah we didn't know it. Uh, but, we might even go during the game this time. Oh, I, th- I think there's no question. Like gonna, real time, just, yeah, yeah, there's sure. going to be some stuff we do like that. I, there's no question it's going to force. I wrote this in, in a mailbag. Someone said, what have you learned? And I said, I don't In many ways, it's been invigorating. I mean, I've, I've, I told you today when I saw you, I, I've got more energy right now than I've had in a long time because it's, it's forced me to think. Because if you do this, and this is my 12th year on this beat, it's easy to kind of fall into the pattern of, like I said, this was going to be the "Hey, they made it" or "Fire Bianco Week." This was going to be easy. It's what we do. We would, we would fire him for five days, and then we'd kind of let that that story would die off, and then we'd get into the summer, and we'd start getting ready for media days. They moved that to virtual, and I, I, I suspect it'll stay virtual for a long time. And uh, you know, everything's changed. This is this has changed the way that we do things, and we're going to find out in our profession or our field, we don't really have a profession. We'll find out in our field who has the ability to adapt and who doesn't. Who who is who has the ability to adjust and and try new things and who doesn't. That's it's kind of been that way for a while. So, if anything, I mean I've been sort of encouraged, but I'm blown away by the people that do this thing about it. I just don't think we can have a football season. I'm like, man, you guys don't get it. If you don't have a football season, you don't have anything. Like, if you tell me there's no football season, I'll tell you there's no basketball season. There's no baseball season. There's no nothing. I uh, I deleted that content item out of the admin today. Did you really? I did. I have no idea how many times I have looked at that and gone, I'm deleting it. And then I'm like, if I do it, and then something weird happens. He's, I just thought at this point, I'll just start over. Whatever. It's it, it's fine. Yeah, it's, I mean, you'd have to go in. And, you would have had to go in and edit it so much. Oh yeah, it's a year. Yeah, and and it's. I mean, none of the graphs would have been correct. No, it's a full year and a pandemic and so much. Yeah, it would have. 
I, I almost deleted it the other day, like looking at it, because some one day there were four or five things in the draft folder, and I yeah. almost hit that one by accident. And I was like, oh, that would have sucked. And I just thought I should delete it. And then I thought, well, you know, knowing my luck, something would happen. And so I it, didn't. Had been, it had been in the admin since April of last year. Yeah. April. Well, so I'm, it's been, it's going to be visually altering to go in there and not see it at the top. Yeah, fourteen months of just 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 chilling. Because I'll you know I, I do my mailbag over the course of a couple of days, and so it's in drafts typically for about forty eight hours. And it's I, I've seen it so many times. Like I what? mean, I'm gonna have to rewrite the bios whenever something does happen in years for Tim Corbin again and Dan McDonald again. And I mean, <laughs> I, dang it, I just. All right, Jeez. so Chase had a Ole Miss baseball hot board <laughs> in admin now for 14 months. <laughs> I've looked at it so many times, like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's gone because that I had nightmares about it sometimes. Uh, Anthony Servideo is off the board, uh, number 74 overall, third round pick of the Baltimore Orioles. So, oh, he'll be teammates with. Hearstad or whatever his name is. Yeah, so uh, he's gone. I would think he'd, uh, he. He's probably, gone. Yeah, he takes that. Well, they're not. They would have already had a deal in place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They wouldn't waste that pick if they didn't think he was. Uh, he was already gone. I'll tell but you this. Good for him. Uh, two years ago, when I covered the SEC baseball tournament that Ole Miss won, when K- Kessinger got hurt and he yeah. came in, I, I didn't know anything about the team. I was just like there, and uh, that dude came in, and I was like, "Hey, who's that guy? He's really good. How come he's not playing?" It's going to be interesting because, yeah, I mean, look, he for a full season. That's the team that lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons the hot board existed. That, that team lost to Tennessee Tech. Wow. Well, A team that Servideo wasn't good enough to crack the starting lineup lost to Tennessee Tech. Well, that hot board went up when – how much of this? That, that hot board went up. When they actually still had a winning or up, uh, went in the admin. When they still had an SEC winning record early in the year before they actually got even hot later. Um, but but yeah. they were floundering at that point from a hosting <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> and you had talked to certain people who would know that indicated that if they didn't get to a super regional, there was a problem. That they were going to make a change, and so we started talking about it, and you started working on it, and a lot of those people are no longer around. And um, yeah, let's just say the SEC tournament week was a very big week in multiple ways for uh, for the Ole Miss baseball yeah. program. And then they did make a super regional. They made it to the third and final game of a super regional. So they did. It wouldn't have mattered even if those people had stuck around. Oh, you mean the next year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Because they uh, got hot. They got hot and went to the SEC final and then made a super regional. Yeah, no, but where I was going though is. I mean, Servideo for a full year would have been very special statistically at shortstop. He, he's a great glove. I think he can stick at short. And he he also was a leader on that team. He brought an energy that they needed some years, frankly. Um, I thought that was something, even when he was younger, that he could have helped Ole Miss on the field and maybe playing a different position or anything would just kind of give him a little lift a little bit because he is he's such an energy guy. Um 
And this is one of the first years where Ole Miss doesn't know who the shortstop is heading into a season now. Um, because you, you go back and look through this thing, and unless I'm forgetting a year, um, and I'm, I, I'm almost positive I'm not, I mean, we're talking about a run here because you had um, you had Errol coming in in 14 and playing as a freshman. He played 14, 15, 16. Gray played 17, 18, 19. And then Servideo played 20. So we're talking about at least seven, eight years since Ole Miss known exactly who the shortstop is when they're coming into a season. And I, there's no there's no guaranteed candidate. I mean, you know, two years ago when everybody was being recruited and signed and committed, everybody said, okay, well, Connor Walsh is that guy. He's this top 50 recruit. Servideo will replace Kessinger, and then Connor Walsh will replace him, and on and on and on. Well, Connor Walsh couldn't get on the field. He redshirted, and now he's a great, he's a he's a portal guy that ended up at Rice. So I mean, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, and I don't know. Ole Miss will have to figure that out. I'm, I have no idea. Well, who. dude, there's going to be so many dudes in the portal here soon because there's so many programs are going to close it up or not. Have, it's just going to get. Well, I, I anticipate the baseball portal to be among the craziest. Especially now with this open season, a little bit from a roster standpoint, from a well, because what's also happening is it's happened with Ole Miss with a guy, it happened with LSU with a guy. You're also seeing guys go into the portal, even though they're not planning on leaving because they're just trying, they're getting out of their scholarship. Yeah. Because if you go into the portal, you lose your scholarship. But the way a lot of scholarships are written, the only way you can take a kid's scholarship or change it is for him to go into the portal. So there's a lot of just manipulation going on all around there. But um, the Bianco kid at LSU is an example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's going back to LSU. I don't think he's leaving. I think they were just they were just altering the roster situation. Um, is all they were doing there, in my opinion. I mean, I guess if he gets the right deal, sure. But I think when he went in, the the plan was to stay. Yeah. Um, that's what's going on with Knox Laposser at Ole Miss. So I mean, it's uh, it is what it is. Here's um, what I can tell you, man. <laughs> yep. I, I've never hoped we're talking about college baseball in February more than than this coming year because there's got to be a football season first. And and so the football season's got to go off, and it's got to happen, and it gets back to that kind of full circle. I'm not I'm not wrapping up the podcast. I'm just saying it, it. It this is where people wonder, like, where do all these things fit? This is where July matters to a college baseball season. It's why, as much as the coaches would like a three hour OTA period where they can really get that offense humming, you know, this is where Ooh. this is where the NCAA and the leagues like, hey, listen. I get it, fellas. We just got to get to the. <laughs> I'll use my marathon analogy again. So I've started running a lot lately, and I kind of think about running another one for the sake of it. And I've gotten so used to the Peloton um, cycling instructions that I've, I'm listening to this on my on my phone. I'm listening to a outdoor like marathon prep run where the instructor is talking to me and there's music. I'm okay. so used to that level of training that that's what I'm running to. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so I was listening to a, I was doing a Matt Wilpers one hour run on Wednesday. And one of the things that he said, it made me think about this, believe it or not, uh, because I'm weird. He said, the most important thing in your training for a marathon is to train in a way that you get to the starting line. Mm, yeah. And I thought, that's exactly right. And if you're these football programs, your goal has to be right now, get to the starting line. Got to get to the starting line. 
Got to get and you got to get everybody to the starting line. If you can't get off the bus, nothing else matters. Can't you can't get the money if you don't play the game. Yeah. And so you got to get so you got to get to the starting line. So you have to adjust your goal and it's one of the fascinating things. It's and Kiffin will do great at this because he's wired this way. A lot of other coaches I'm not sure are wired this way. It's going to be so difficult to go Hey, look, this is the one year where when you have that meeting with the AD where the AD says I love winning and winning's better than losing, but this year let's just get, winning is playing. Let's just play the games. I'm not I'm not firing you for not winning enough games this year. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's it's that deal. Kind of a full circle, as you mentioned here. I'm reading from Mississippi Today. It says uh, a group of Democratic senators filed a resolution on Thursday to change the Mississippi state flag, the last in the nation containing the Confederate battle emblem. The move means conversations about changing the flag are openly occurring in both chambers of the Capitol for the first time since 2001. Earlier this week, a bipartisan group of House members had privately discussed the issue and begun whipping votes. The Senate rules suspension filed on Thursday. Uh, on 12 Senate Democrats is required because the legislative deadline has passed to consider a bill to change the flag. It would require a two-thirds vote in both chambers to pass the suspension resolution. We're going to see where the votes go, said Derek Simmons of Greenville, the Senate Democratic leader. He said multiple Republicans have indicated to him they support changing the flag. Still, most concede it would be a long shot at best to change the flag at this point in session. But in the midst of recent protests over police brutality and the death of George Floyd at the hands of law enforcement in Minneapolis, there have been renewed interest by some in changing the flag. Many of you, the Confederate battle emblem, blah, 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 reading down. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman will most likely refer the resolution filed Thursday to the Rules Committee, chaired by President Pro Tem Dean Kirby of Pearl. Kirby said he does not believe the legislature should change the flag on its own. He said he would support a vote of the people similar to what occurred in 2001 when about 64% of Mississippians voted to keep the old flag. Put it on the ballot and let the people make the decision, Kirby said. I think that's where you'll find most Republicans are on this. At least that's what they tell me. The 2001 referendum was probably the largest vote we ever had in Rankin County of presidential statewide or anything, you name it. Senator Chris McDaniel of Ellisville, a Republican, said he supports changing the old, or sorry, he supports keeping the old flag, but would not be opposed to a conversation on the issue if placed on the ballot through a citizen-sponsored initiative instead of through legislature. <clears throat> Reading from Mississippi Today again. All right, I'm, I'm asking you to, to, to answer a question that's impossible to answer, but I'm curious just to get your opinion. I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm just curious. Sure. If this went in front of a statewide vote, you know the state a little better than I do. Because I look at like Twitter polls that go 91 to 9 in favor of changing it. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a mandate. Yeah. Um, What would happen? What would the turnout be? The turnout would be incredibly large, huge, and it would be very close. Oh, you think, you think it'd be close? <sighs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just asking. No, no, no. With every generation, it will get a little tighter and a little tighter and a little tighter. Um, 2001, is it 64%, it would not be 64%. It would be much closer to 50 or a win for a new flag yeah. at this point. In 2001, the voter turnout was very low. It was like 23%. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was really low. Yeah, I I think it would be a lot of turnout, and I think it would be very close and have a chance. Not a guarantee, a chance. The problem is that you about got to know, because if it gets voted down again, 
then you're just waiting. Then it's for, off like, the ballot. For, then it's out. It's off. Yeah, the, that's yeah. the problem. You can't immediately go. Well, no. Hey, 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 hey. Well, no. You had a vote and you didn't you, get it done. You can't. That's be, why the legislatures just do it. Just do it because you can't <laughs> be the only state that has to have like exceptions filed and stuff. It, and now look, Georgia should get rid of their stupid flag too. They're yeah. not any better. No, they. You, God Almighty, that that deal. They just pulled. They pulled a sheet up over everybody's face and went at it. I mean, I can't uh, believe the people are like, oh, you changed it. I mean, they just put a thing in it. They, they changed it to a different Confederate flag. They just got rid of that Confederate flag. <laughs> I mean, they actually put the one up that was hanging at the top of the Capitol. Mind-boggling. Oh, I'm. I mean. There were there, there were some Snickers Snickers in a in a cigar filled room whenever that thing got changed in Georgia. Everybody laughing, going, "Hey, nobody's gonna notice this." You know, maybe this is me being way too laid back of a person. There are hills worth dying on. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, fighting for your kids or for your whatever. But this does. I've never once thought the. A state flag is the one that's worth. I mean, I just it blows me away, especially when. I. It's not up on all on on most, if not all, campuses in the state. It is not up on the the wall or the the, the you know the, the flags of honor or whatever in in, in New York and in DC and all those places like I, I <sighs> if you have to apologize for it at all times here's the here's a here's a bad analogy but if you make a good wine and the reason people aren't buying the wine is because your label's offensive mm-hmm. and if all you have to do to get people to buy your wine is to change the label Change the label. Don't you change the label? And, and I don't want to argue that in wine the label's more important than the actual product. Well, yeah, think about it. how many times you go into the store and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a bottle of cab. Yeah. I wanna spend I don't know, I don't, I don't want to spend more than twenty. So I'm that gonna, looks good. I'm gonna look at these twelve bottles here that are in the seventeen to twenty one dollar range. How many times do you end up choosing off a label? That label looks cool. I'll give it a shot. I like the name. Yeah, I'll give it poor tenants. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. you just give it a shot, and if you don't like it, it's no big deal. I mean, you know, and especially if you're like, okay, this is a special occasion. It's the holiday. It's Christmas. Your Christmas dinner. All right, I'm I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a cab. And I'm gonna spend sixty dollars on a bottle of mm-hmm. of wine for Christmas dinner. All right. Well, now you're down to five six wines that are there at your local package store. Mm-hmm. The label plays a big role in that. And so, you know, I mean, not to steal from tomorrow's show, but you're competing for a company that is maybe looking to relocate for tax reasons, for cost of living reasons. And you're competing against Alabama and you're competing against Tennessee and Arkansas. And that's who you're competing against. I would say Louisiana, but they're so screwed up that nobody's competing against them right now. Um, why would you do something that's an immediate disqualifier? Mm-hmm. Why would you do something that's immediately dis- is a is a is a first? Be like showing up for a first date without showering. Why? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, best foot forward. This is not it. Yeah, that's- no, it's a first date. You know, you probably ought to take a shower. You probably ought to get clean. Put your deodorant on. 
put on put on a clean shirt, put on your clean pair of, of pants or jeans or whatever, and, and be nice. It's a first impression. This is not the time to go run 12 miles and then show up without taking a shower. Yeah. You know, it's like, why do something stupid? It just it blows me away. It really does. As, as someone who's not from here but has lived here long enough to appreciate what all Mississippi offers, it's, it's <laughs> that nationally it's seen as a hateful symbol at, in a place that is the least hateful place I've ever lived. It, I mean, I've lived in Louisiana. I've lived in Alabama. I've lived in Mississippi. And I can tell you of those three places, the least racist place is Mississippi. Mm-hmm. but you have this thing and it's just right there in front of you. If you were to, if you were to show the Mississippi flag to a hundred people who had never seen it before and then say, tell me what you think somewhere in the 90 to 100 range would say it's the Confederate flag. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, wh- why would you do that? First half of the show, we talked about some guys that could go uh, SEC-related. The Padres just took a flyer on Cole Wilcox, the uh, Georgia right-handed pitcher, in the uh, in the third round. They say they have some money to uh, to play with and uh, and pulled the trigger on him. If they get it done, probably the still of the draft from a location standpoint there, Wilcox in the third. So Georgia potentially losing Hancock and Wilcox. Do you know uh, anything about this dude from uh, Burl Calloway, a left-hander from Dallas Baptist? No clue. Cubs take him, I guess. Took him in the second round, 51st pick. They took a local kid at first round, right? Yeah, they took uh, the shortstop from Chicago, yeah. the kid that was the star of the Jackie Robinson West team that won the Little League World Series. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those deals where, especially given the time that we're in, it's a, such a cool story, and if it if it works out, what a great story. And if it doesn't work out, you know – whatever but you you when your 16th pick you take a kid with uh great upside it's going to take some time probably to develop him he uh the apparently he's a kid who's the intangibles are just off the off the charts um i mean everybody everybody who knows the kid raves about him his name is you think i would have it memorized by now it's ed howard isn't it yeah ed howard yeah, um, gets compared a lot to Derek Jeter from a makeup standpoint. Uh, the Cubs noticed when they did a Zoom call with him back in uh, February or March, whatever, right about the time this thing got started, that mm-hmm. they they saw it. They said he wasn't wasn't obvious, but it was he was talking to them, and and all they could see, of course, was you know chest up. But they noticed for a second that he had a baseball glove in his left hand. He was he was kind of playing with his glove, and and uh, so you know they 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 were like he's kind of wired differently. But everybody likes him, and and he grew up a White Sox fan, and and uh, the White Sox passed on him, and the Cubs took him, and we'll see. I mean, you you, you got to hope for for baseball's sake. I mean, how good of a story would that be? Local kid from Chicago who took his little league team to the pinnacle of that level local kid from chicago becomes the an african-american kid becomes the you know one of the faces of of one of the most recognizable franchises in, in major league baseball frankly baseball needs it if it's still alive by then it appears that somebody in arkansas has pissed off the st louis cardinals as they're just taking arkansas uh signee after arkansas signee right now in the really? draft yeah that that's currently going on so 
Well, that's never a never a good thing for them. It's just ama- <laughs> it's it's amazing, really. I mean, it's amazing to see just how great the SEC baseball is. It's phenomenal. Ooh, Ooh. I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, I just. I don't know. That's what I laughed about because I said, oh, yeah, Ole Miss has got the best rotation coming back next year. And then I took a second. I went, oh, yeah, Vanderbilt. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Forgot Kumar, Ro- Kumar Rocker <laughs> sent me a message asking me to. He's like, hey, uh, hey, this is Kumar. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, he, he's like I, I might have something to say about that. He's back next year. They got some dudes, probably. Well, it was like last night on the broadcast, Carl Ravage was like, yeah, I just, uh, it's just amazing. All these guys for Vanderbilt. I'm like, yeah, Carl, completely <laughs> crazy. Amazing, blowing us all away. But like, he does go in the next season as the, I mean, overwhelming number one, right? Oh, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, he was their Saturday guy this year, but yeah, sure. Jeez, <laughs> unbelievable. Although you know, I mean, you know, I mean, from a draft standpoint, Ole Miss's best guys on Saturday. Hogan's a better draft prospect than the Casey. Yeah. So I mean, has a higher major league ceiling. Well, I mean, was having a hell of a year. I mean, he kind of got – I mean, that's the thing is Doug gets a lot of pub for good reason, but that's what that thing kind of killed without getting into league play is, I mean, Gunner was fantastic to that point. I mean, so, yeah. We've never – I've never asked you this. I'm curious if you – had there not been a pandemic, in your opinion, this week, are you on your way to Omaha or are we firing Bianco? (laughs) Well – I think the answer is probably neither. Um, I don't know. I, I tell you what, it's a good question. I mean, they're not firing Mike. Um, well, I don't mean I don't mean literally firing him. I mean I mean message board firing him. He's been message board fired a lot. They were going to host a regional. Um, they had a swagger about them that is real that I had not seen out of an Ole Miss team in a while. Um, a little. A little good, arrogant in a way. Like you, you, you need some arrogance about you as a, as a as a baseball team or a sports team in general, especially baseball. You can't be you can't be thirty five nice guys. You got, I mean, you can be polite and good human beings, but you got to have a little edge to you. And I thought they had that in some spots. I thought that their newcomers. This is what was going to be interesting. Their newcomers were kind of too young to know better. They'd always won. We're winning. We're on a streak. I would like to have seen what happened when they had that blow-up weekend where somebody sweeps them or somebody punches them in the mouth and how they kind of responded to that. Because I think that team probably had a rough stretch in it, but then the question was, can they pull themselves out of it? And with pitching at that level, the way they were throwing it, yeah, they had a shot. I mean, I I think Mike had kind of figured out his lineup a little bit there at the end. He was getting Hayden Leatherwood some more at-bats. He was... He was figuring it out, and then you've got Nikhazy, and you've got Hoagland, and Derek Diamond was coming on enough. I mean, there was there was some stuff there. So I think think they were going to host. I think they'd have been real from a postseason standpoint, and I think I thought they were going to set really high expectations for next year, no matter what. If they get to Omaha, okay, then next year, hey, go win the damn thing. If they go to a super regional, okay, well next year is your year. Let's get to Omaha because you know as you talk about, a lot of times it's those that it's that sophomore year where you don't have all the draft pressure. It's it's where it's where you can just kind of play. Um, so look, Ole Miss is going. There's no doubt, Ole Miss is going to enter the season as a top five team in the country next year, and we'll uh, we'll see what it looks like. They've got to find a shortstop. There's probably a couple other holes a little bit, but they get the majority of that team back, and they should be able to hit. They're going to have starting pitching. There's going to be enough in the bullpen, especially if Taylor Broadway and Austin Miller return for another senior season. And, uh, yeah, they're loaded. I mean, it's uh, from a talent standpoint, it's about as good as it's gotten in a long time. And the league will be stacked again? 
Of course, yeah, they'll just replace them with somebody else, and it'll be some dudes and yeah. whatever. But that's my point. I mean, if the draft had gone a little different way and some of those guys were back, that would have at least shaped the league in a different way. I mean, as it is right now, Ole Miss is a is is more of a prohibitive favorite than they than they would have been had you know Wilcox not gone if he gets signed or Cole Henry or whomever. I mean, I haven't seen JT again off the board yet. Um, just as a, as a note. God, he'd be a risk right now, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a fifth round here. Here's some money. Let's see what happens, guy. But he's going to ask for more than that, so I think he's back. Yeah. Good luck, dude. Yeah, I think he's no, I mean, I, gen- I hear nothing but good things about him as a person. So, I, I mean that genuinely good yep. luck. But, oof. I just don't know that this is – this is where you're going to have to have the type of rep- representation that understands that the – market has changed mm-hmm. we'll see i don't know and boris if scott boris is that reputa- representation you don't have that yeah there's no uh, there's no doubt because he's fighting it mm-hmm. uh okay so stennis podcast tomorrow neil will talk flag we'll get that to you uh pretty much just uh just that conversation so that will be there we have a list to go on got a little more information about what mississippi is doing to this point so uh at least we're to add on a little bit to that a lot of stuff uh this week for you so um enjoyed it hope uh hope all you guys have a safe weekend you'll get one more show from us and then we'll talk to you again very very soon